It's Tuesday the 10th of October and you're listening to the Women's Football Podcast. Well, what a controversial week we've just had in the WSL from Manchester United and Arsenal on Friday night to the big, big drama from the Joy Stadium in Manchester on Sunday. A lot of talking points to get through this week's podcast. And joining me, as ever, is Brad Morris. Chaos. That's the only way yeah. we can describe how the weekend had uh, gone. Yeah, there's a lot to cover. Yeah, I mean, the fact that the two games involving last season's top four probably have the most talking points and it's only the second week of the season is just absolutely baffling. Yeah, it feels pretty mad. Um, I mean, should we just get straight to the Manchester City versus Chelsea game then? I mean, we can do. There's <laughs> enough to, to chat about with it. Just the madness that ensued yeah yes uh so obviously um manchester city went with a similar lineup from their first game uh kiara keating still starting in goal for uh gareth taylor's side uh, and they were able to welcome back khadija shaw to the bench after missing the first game week through injury uh but and the only change from them on the subs bench was that uh, Ellie Roebuck had been dropped and Sandy McGeeva had been replaced on it. So there was also a little bit of talking points and confusion. It seemed to be uh, where was she? Was she still suspended after getting sent off uh, last season in the Manchester Derby? Uh, should it have been a free game suspension? But it turns out it's not because it wasn't a violent conduct one. So that was just pre-match. The game itself. Jesus. Where do you want to start on that? Well, like the thing with the Ellie Roebuck stuff, it, you have to be careful because it's all pure speculation at, at this point. No one knows anything, and we don't want to go too far in saying, oh, she's just not favoured. Now, because yeah. for all we know, that's not the case. Something is happening that we don't know about, and I think it's best to to leave it, it, it in that realm, I guess. Yeah, definitely. But pretty much, I get, like, Man City Chelsea always delivers. There's always a moment, yeah. isn't it? Like Man City have had Chelsea's number the last few seasons as well, even if they've not got as close to them as they would have liked in the table in the long run as the season goes on as well. Uh, but it always seems to be a, um, a good battle uh, if it's up in Manchester as well. Like City always know how to give Chelsea a good fight for the... Uh, money and make it difficult for uh, Chelsea when they were up there and facing them. Uh, and this weekend was no different. No, like it ended all square as well. Quiet night at the library. It was not, unfortunately. <laughs> Should we just go straight in? Like, I, know, I know there's so much else that happened match-wise, but I feel like you can't ignore the whole incident as a whole. It has to be talked about from the off. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, City were already one nil up thanks to Chloe Kelly. Then, ten minutes after that goal went through, Alex Greenwood gets 
booked for a foul. I think it was on Lauren James at the time. It might have been. I can't actually remember that part. Like that part just feels irrelevant at this point compared to what would have happened. Yeah. So then, uh, five or so minutes before half time, the referee gives Man City a free kick uh, in their own half, and it takes a couple of seconds for the player who was fouled to get up. Then uh, Alex Greenwood is over the ball, about to take the free kick. He's looking upfield for some options. She can't see any. And then as she gone to pass it back to, I think it was Alana Kennedy, uh, who was next to her in the centre-half position, uh, the referee blows the whistle again after giving her the whistle to take the free kick and sends Greenwood off for time-wasting, which I've never known a professional footballer time-waste in the first half of a football match before in my life. Football in 2023. <laughs> Get used to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. This was an absolutely baffling call. Yeah. I mean, I know they've said it and they said it on the broadcast at the time that referees had been told to clamp down on time wasting and give out bookings for that and bookings for dissent also. But I'm like, who on planet earth has ever wasted in the first half of a football match i could provide an example from watching a match last week i was at aston villa's men's team in europe the the europa conference league they were playing zrinski mustar who were dark arts masters quite frankly (laughs) they were doing it from the off and but they that nobody none of them got booked (laughs) that's an astonishing thing yeah and then like Bringing you back to this one, there. I mean, she, yeah, for me, I think if we're going to tell people and players about time wasting, give the players a first warning saying, look, this isn't going to be tolerated taking 26 to 30 seconds to take a free kick, which I don't think it actually was that long. He definitely didn't feel 20, that long. He felt 22 seconds. That. I think it did get timed. I saw somewhere like, the more I watched it, the more I felt actually the referee, if she. Emily Hisley, she's being strict about this ruling, clearly, in this match, as we saw. Alex Greenwood did stutter slightly. So from Heaslip's point of view, yeah, but as think, wrong as I think it is, she's then gone, I'm not having that, no. It, I mean, I think it's because she goes to play the ball forward, but then she looks up and sees there's no forward options available for her. So that's where she turns her position and plays it uh, back across the defensive line. And it's not like... And you've got to allow players to do that judgment of being able to look upfield, seeing if there's any options, and then passing it back. That's not time wasting. That's trying to keep the possession with your team. Because what's the point of lumping the ball 30, 40 yards up the pitch to lose the ball, and then then Chelsea come back and attacking you? You you don't do that in football. So if I can add something in, I feel like it's also common sense has to be applied. In a way, yeah. from the referee, you got to think, well, surely they're not trying to time waste at this point, right? Exactly. Like, I think that is something that definitely needs to be looked at in that sense going forward uh, throughout the rest of the season is just common sense in that stuff. Like, if this was the 80 plus minutes and Greenwood took like two or three stutter steps towards the ball or uh, 
I don't know, kept moving the ball back and forth, then I could understand he slipped going, Greenwood, this is the yellow card. You are purposely time-wasting now. But when it comes to that, I was like, come on, time-wasting, yeah, bookable offence, but just being more lenient in thinking of what, what is this player trying to do? Is she intentionally trying to time-waste? No. Is she just looking for options, to, someone to pass it to? Yes, ergo, it's not time wasting. If she took a minute after he slipped, blew the whistle, then I'd be like, okay, yeah, that is time wasting. You're just trying to get to half time quick enough, but it's going to get added on because that's one of the new rules of like all the time the ball's not in play or it's dead. They add on. Yeah, I feel like it's it's that word, isn't it? It's consistency. And I don't know if that happened <laughs> during the whole match. We could we could get to that in a bit. It just going back to the warnings point because it really didn't feel like that happened like we can't hear what happens on field so but we know it did but I, I, I'm not sure that did happen what was also I think is important is we don't yeah. know if any of these new rules have actually been communicated to clubs properly well Emma Hayes did say in her post-match that oh, yeah, yeah it's uh, been mentioned the referees did it appears to have been mentioned that. it really it just really feels like they've gone from the one extreme of being too lenient, as we've seen in a lot of games in the past, where you're just looking at some tackles going and you're like, well, how has that not been punished? How was there no cards being branded? And yeah. there was still that case in this match as well. And But now we've gone to this partially extreme other side of the spectrum. Although, although in this game there was no partially yeah, I mean, about I it. Saw it a tweet. <laughs> I think it was bas- this was basically in Oprah Winfrey Vars. You get a yellow card. You get a yellow card. Everybody gets. You want to come talk to like, you? I'll get here. Go, here's Christ. a yellow card for you. Right. I did see a tweet though on Sunday, and it's so many tweets. Perfectly, <laughs> definitely that from. We've gone in the WSL from having to cause GBH to get a yellow oh, card to now just the tiniest touch or a bit of time wasting gets you a yellow card. Like there is no consistency across the board or like some say uh, some sense of leniency and common sense of what is a yellow card and what isn't. Because like you say, there were some tackles in this game, you're like, but that's not a yellow card offence. And then others, you're like, well, if that one in the first half or 20 minutes ago got booked for it, why isn't this one getting booked for a similar challenge? Yeah, that's true. And on the consistency argument, I, I can actually find the funny side of it. I, I as, as much of a sicko I can be sometimes, I'm down for eight versus eight <laughs> in some games. Yeah. It really would have ended up like that. I mean, it's bad City's third red card already this season. Yeah. With two games in, Leila will hardly get sent off in the first game and then. Uh, Alex Greenwood in the first half, and then Lauren Hemp, 10 minutes uh, from the end, gets sent off. And I'm just like, Word on the Lauren Hemp one, that was fair. I think we could safely say it was deserved. Yeah. At, at the point of the second one, I'm just thinking to myself, you should have substituted her. Oh, 100%. I mean, she had what looked like a shoulder injury, and I think it was her. And I think AC she did joint. have one beforehand where she was warned as well. Was she. She got booked uh, earlier on in the second half for moaning at the lines person or the referee herself about... I think it was the referee. Uh, 
whether it should have been a corner slash uh, goal kick. So she got booked for that. And then that second one where she brings down Lauren James, you're like, but that's it's just a straight up bookable offence either way. So it's just one of them where I think Gareth Taylor at times needed to just gather his players together and just say, look, just stop committing silly fouls. Don't argue with the referee because it's clear that she's going to be giving out cards left, right and centre. I think you'd figure that out at the like at the first red. At this point, when you're all getting yes. yellow cards, you forget. All right, we're just going to stop this now. But Joe Rod then went over at half time and got booked as well, and it carried on in the, the second half. the ball away. Well. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just welcome like, back to the one of them. Yeah, and it's one of them. You just like just use your head sometimes. Just yes, the decision's not going in your favour, but the way the ref is refereeing this game, you're not going to get anything from it. I also need to know, we didn't get a, a ref watch. Did she make it out of the stadium in 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 good health? <laughs> That's all I was saying. Because yeah, they were banging for blood by the end. Yeah, I mean, it was, it got mental. I mean, was it 11 cards shown in that game in the end? Was, Gareth was Taylor 14 fouls and then 11 cards, something like that. It was something ridiculous. I know. It's like every foul is almost getting a yellow. It's mental. Yeah, fourteen fouls. What is what is AAFC? <laughs> yeah, six yellow cards, two red cards, and obviously Gareth Taylor's booking as well. And I'm just like fucking hell, fighters. This is ridiculous. This is. But feel, how we yeah. go. Okay, enough. I feel like we've gone as far as the chat of the red card. I think we have to talk some of the match as well. Because I thought this was a very well fought game. Like Man City took the lead early on. Chloe Kelly it was a decent goal. Should Musovic be saving it? No, I think he takes a massive deflection off Jess Carter. And I don't think Musovic can do much about it. A, she had the sun over her eyes. And B, if he takes that much of a big deflection, I don't think you can I don't even think it was a massive it. deflection. Like looking at it, it's oh, it still kind I... of in the eye line, but is is it the sun in her eyes? I don't know. Does it brings up this debate I'm... whether an Anne Catherine Berger saves that or not? Oh yeah, there's definitely that scenario. But at the same time, I'm also thinking if that doesn't take a deflection, does it make it easier for Musovic to save? I'm not a goalkeeper. <laughs> That's the that's the problem. It's one of, yeah, it's one of them where there's obviously going to be uh, questions around that situation. Um, but I think for the most part of that game, City actually made it really hard for Chelsea. Even after uh, Greenwood went down, you'd say City actually looked the better team out of the two sides and looked more likely uh, to go on and get a second. Like Chelsea just really struggled to get anything going in this game. Yeah, so it didn't click. With Chelsea in this match, I'm not overly sure what it was. But City, just because they had to defend for their lives at that point, they were then it, it, they made it harder for Chelsea to just try and break them down, which we have seen in the in the past that can be done. But as is Chelsea, yeah. they always find a way, and it, they did it in the last minute. Well, not the last minute; it was like six minutes into what twelve mi- added minutes. Even though there was only eight added well, on, I don't know what happened eight. at the end. There was so much added time. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I was thinking, was this game ever going to end at one point? Because we just seem to be going on. There was and a point where it was like, are they waiting uh, for the Chelsea winner? Yeah, it did feel like, are we are we just purposely going to carry on are until we, Chelsea gets Are we gets trying to make here? people angry in that stadium? <laughs> uh, I think if that had happened, there would have riots. been riots <laughs> on the pitch. 100%. I mean, I would have laughed yeah, um, as well. As I was saying, I'm a sicker. I was always going, go on, go on, get the winner. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, Golmuff scramble, uh, the ball falls to Guru right, and, and she manages uh, to put it in. Yui Hasegawa tried to clear it off the line, but she couldn't. I was also going, no, it. not Yui. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, in the end, a draw kind of feels like justifiable for uh, both sides. City would be a little bit annoyed that they couldn't hold on till the final whistle, but um, both teams obviously still have much to improve on uh, going forward in the season. It's only, like I said, the second week of the season. so And it's one of them, I think, getting a draw is better than losing in the spectrum of how close a title race can be between last season's top four. Yeah, Chelsea needs to remember they're four points better off than they were at this point last season. Exactly. So, got to take a lot of things into perspective. Yeah, and Man City as well. Very impressive. Their home form. It's twenty matches now unbeaten. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. It's weird for all we say, all the good said about Man City, yeah, they miss out on the title challenges. They seem to have good runs in them. Like they're just missing that extra little bit to carry them further. Yeah. Maybe the addition of Jewel Lord can help them a bit at times this year. If she doesn't get sent off, yeah. Well, yeah. There is that to uh, contend with as well. Is can City keep 11 players on a pitch for the rest of the season? Yeah. I have one last thing with this match, and it was in the post match as well. Gareth Taylor I thought was quite measured with his response to everything. Like, we were all going, yeah. right, get the popcorn ready. This is going to be amazing. And then it was boring. It was very Gareth Taylor, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was, to be fair. But that wasn't the point I was going to make because while well, Gareth Taylor was measured, I think we could say Esme Morgan and Kirsten Kasparai, maybe not so much. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to give them both a round of applause. Right, this is the question. Who has Who was the best tweet of the two? For context, for people that didn't see it, Esme Morgan just decided to tweet the I prefer not to speak Jose Mourinho gif. Whereas Kirsten hey. Kasparov decided to tweet a bit of poetry, saying, Roses are red, Man City is blue, we had two red cards, but we still drew. You know, for me, that gets the win. Just yeah, Kirsten Kasparov for creativity edges it. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. She didn't even play. <laughs> she was barely on the pitch. She came on in the second half. What was it? The... Came on at half time. Oh, but yeah. yeah. Still played this about a man. Absolutely brilliant caption. Amazing. Like, less footballers staying quiet. I want them to tweet the reactions in GIF form. I'm like, I like a good GIF. Yeah. Stop staying quiet. Call the but, <laughs> I mean, two weeks in a row now, we've had perfect uh, post-match responses. Obviously, the first week we had Lithia Garcia's, I'm absolutely fucking tired. Oh. <laughs> and then this week we've had the Man City players 
uh, person on social media. What are we going to get uh, this weekend, man? Arsenal players after they get beaten by Villa, hopefully. <laughs> oh, honestly, I am ready for more uh, player reaction on social media and post matches. Let's speak to WSL Heritage. More of this, please, to any players who are listening. Exactly. Hopefully. We've got another, what, 20 games of the season? I am ready exactly, for Exactly, like one every week. Just give, give us a segment <laughs> at this point. Exactly. And at the end of the season, we'll give out an award for the best social media or best, best post-game reaction. Cause... I am so down for all of that. But we got to move on. That was 20 minutes on Man City Chelsea now. I think we have to talk about a game that honestly feels ages ago now. Arsenal and Manchester United ended in a two-all draw at Lee Sports Village. This game was fantastic. Even if it yeah. bored me a little bit in the second half. it To me, again, both teams deserved the point. I don't think there was a clear winner, but at times you could see Manchester United dominating it and you think, oh, okay, this is where they're going to run away with it. Then Arsenal had their chances. Um, a lot of match uh, pre-build-up was talking about Alessia Russo, how would she get on her return uh, to Lee Sports Village and Man United. Obviously, the fans they got a lovely reception. <laughs> um, I like when players get booed like this. It, it, yeah, I get it, but I also really like the Arsenal fans just out seeing them for it as well, yeah. making her feel welcome. I think that's good for a player to to know that uh, she's very well loved by her new team's support as well. Yeah, good to have both sides. She was the... missing a goal. I wanted her Con... to score and then knee slide in front of the home fans. Yeah, I was going to say that was the only thing that was missing fans from her game. Fans Yeah, boo me now. <laughs> but yeah, fantastic game that was. Uh, Stina Blackstinius opens the scoring after 14 minutes. Great ball from Steph Catley and then Blackstinius does the work against <laughs> no, past no, Hannah you, you said that wrong. What? Say it properly. Steph Catley. There's a tag now beforehand. Oh, yeah, ITV's... Say Auburn's Steph local. Catley. Steph Catley. Get it right. Yes. <laughs> funny. Also, I forgot of them. Just, just funny. Jesus Christ. It's so normal. Yeah, it was brilliant. Well, an innocent member of the public. It was like, that's Steph Catley. She was literally at the World Cup like six weeks ago. Yeah, amazing. Uh, but, but yeah, great yeah, ball. Good finish from... Black Seniors is run as well. Just fought off Hannah Brundell. Lovely goal. Yeah, just brilliant. Uh, then, 10 minutes later, Leah Galton pulls one back for Manchester United after a mistake by uh, Sabrina D'Angelas. She tries to come running onto a long ball forward and then he leaves an open goal for Galton to draw United level. Like, if we're going to talk goalkeeping debates for Man City, Arsenal... God, is there a team in the WSL that doesn't have a goalkeeping debate? At this moment in time, Manchester United, yes, they've just signed Fallon Tullis Choice, but I think that's a bit of a let us settle for a bit of time and then we can possibly talk about her replacing Marriott's potentially. But at this moment in time, no, there isn't a goalkeeping debate there. And Aston Villa as well with Daphne Van Donsela. Yeah, I was thinking it, but you know, it's the only positive I could take. <laughs> Watching Aston Villa. Uh, yeah, but. Apart from that shaky moment, I think after that, she seemed to improve her game. I actually thought she was all right all game. It was just unfortunate. That every time there was a cross, yeah. she caught it. Every time she posted herself, I thought she was all right. 
Yeah. Um, but of course, like, the when the moments happen, war... that's all that people are going to talk about in the end. Oh, 100%. And obviously, as a goalkeeper, you're remembered for the mistakes and the goals you concede rather than the good moments that you do in a game. Catch 20. A catch 22. That's what it is. Yes. Um, second half came on very toss and turny in terms of like both teams having a few chances. It just took a while to enliven up. I mean, uh, the referee talking about handing out cards, Katie McCabe and Caitlin Ford. Both Katie McCabe was on the field minutes for of two up. minutes. <laughs> There's nothing more Katie McCabe it's, than that uh... <laughs> entirely. Oh, I can't remember what, what was it. Did it ever burn? Still on commentary. I've forgotten the line. I should have wrote it down, but it was, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Yeah. It was a good line from my, I can't remember it, but I like remember it, but I can't remember word for word. It was absolutely brilliant. I was like, it's just, it is. Well, it's our heritage, as I say. <laughs> yeah. Three uh, things that you get in life, death, taxes, came and Gabe gets booked. Yeah, uh, then Caitlin Ford gets booked like two minutes after that as well, so she'd barely been on the pitch as well. And then Jonas Alderweireld also took the yellow card as well. Wait, you know what I'm saying? Jonas Alderweireld not wearing a tracksuit. Yeah, it felt weird. Yeah, like I'm all for managers not wearing the tracksuit. I think you're a manager. Turn up in something nice. I know you're a tracksuit lover, though. <laughs> oh, I, mean a tra- I don't like suits anyway. Just give me a tracksuit any day of the week. Or just casuals. But um, maybe that's Boring. why Arsenal have started the season uh, so poorly is because he wasn't wearing a tracksuit that weekend. Maybe he needs exactly, to go back to yeah. tracksuits. Superstition. <laughs> exactly. Uh, ten minutes from time, Man United went ahead, substitutes Hinata Miyazawa and Melvin Millard combining Miyazawa and heading on the ball towards uh, Millard, who managed to get in between the two Arsenal defenders and then uh, managed to stick out a boot to send it past D'Angelo. What a first goal for the club that was. Yeah, good for her, good for the club. I wonder now if she does get a few more opportunities, maybe. Yeah, but I mean, we'll see it more, well, tonight. <laughs> Even with their next match, they have a Champions League game to prepare for now. Yeah, I mean... If United could sign her permanently, because it's just a loan for this season, which I think could be potentially be an option um, at the end of the season, because I'm just thinking of uh, the options that Leon have got. It's just absolutely mental. Uh, that would be a really good signing if she can continue to progress and get some goals under her belt. Because obviously, Champions League, whenever with uh, Leon, she knows how to score goals and. One, I think many Man United fans would be happy to see that permanently. However, that wasn't the final talking point in that game because in stoppage time, Chloe Lacasse, wow, what a goal. It's just so good. Like, yeah. Imagine what you do when you don't put her right back. <laughs> she goes on and does that. What a finish. Yeah, Mary Absolutely Oaks. super. Uh, there was a debate where Mary Oaks maybe was flat-footed a little bit, but actually it was way out of reach for her. Yeah, I don't think any... Maybe she wasn't expecting it as well. I think that's definitely the case for that as well. But such a such a good goal from Lacasse. Yeah. I don't think any keeper would say that, whether flat-footed or not. I'm sorry. I can't even say that after this weekend. <laughs> I think it's such a 
curling shot and he just about stays the right side of the post. That's what makes it uh, even harder for uh, Erps to try and get a hand to it. So I think you can't really give too much in the way of criticism towards Mary Epps for that. But yeah, a fantastic goal for Lacasse gets her off the mark at Arsenal. And again, both teams taking a point. Not going to be too disappointed, obviously. You would like the win, but in terms of context and how the other two top four sides from last season got on, sharing a point isn't uh, bad at all. Nah, it isn't. Like For United, I think it's a good point. I think for Arsenal, it was a much-needed like boost as well. I think they've still got another level to go, but they... Like, it's a good point. Away from home, it's a good point. You were behind late on. You take it. Yeah, 100%. Right, uh, before we move on to the look at the rest of the games, we'll take a short break and we'll be back after the words. Welcome back. Thank you for sticking with us on this Women's Football Talk podcast. Right, let's have a look at the rest of the WSL action from this past weekend and Leicester City continuing their fine start to the season picking up a second win this time against Everton a second half goal from uh, Lena Petterman gives Willie Kirkside the win and are you now starting to believe me and that Leicester are producing some sort of a revival this well, season look, or look, are you still a little bit pessimistic look, look, calm down yeah calm down <laughs> it's like uh, no they clearly there's something about this Leicester City team, but I want to see them against an opposition who will offer a bit more. I feel, and yeah, the, the, I mean, oh, their only two fixtures have been very kind to them. Bristol City, who you would have expected to have been around the relegation, obviously they those two. The, like before the start of the season, both were seen as relegation candidates. That's easy to see. <laughs> Everton as well. You know, there was a lot of questions about them whether they're going to be down there. As well or not, I think. Like, yeah. Fair credit needs to go to Janina Leipzig though, because she saved them, like saved the penalty. Like, if I'm Arsenal, yeah. <laughs> if you want a goalkeeper, maybe a cheaper option. <laughs> I don't think she would be cheaper at this point in time. Because oh no, they'll, they'll say no. We want the 500k as well. <laughs> yeah, but speaking of terms of the easiness of fixtures for Leicester uh, so far. You are right, they have had a much easier start uh, than what many would expect. But I'm just looking over the next uh, four to six games for them. Manchester United this weekend. Manchester City at the weekend of the 21st. Then they play Liverpool the 5th of November. 12th of November, they're at home to Arsenal, home to Spurs the weekend after. And then they finish November with an away trip to Chelsea. So these next four or five games could be uh, key for Leicester to see. Are they as good as people are thinking they are? Or are these first two games just uh, a bit of fluke and the fact that the teams that they face aren't as good as uh, people think they are? I don't know if it was a fluke. I think that's harsh. But they've clearly shown enough to say, OK, we're gonna we're progressing. This season, Lena Paceman has clearly been a good signing for them. Keeping Leipzig is important as well. Everything we thought could happen with them if they are to push on is coming to fruition in these opening fixtures. 
definitely so and long may continue for them because um you want a team that can definitely battle it out and look uh, a lot better and i think i saw it at times last season under willie kirk but you've given him a full summer of window of getting in players that he wants the players fully integrated into his system i think we will see uh, a much better leicester but these next four or five games uh, will show us how real Leicester are. I'm not expecting them to pick up the victories. If they pick up one or two there, then I think we can take them for seriousness. But as long as they're not getting thumped 5 6 nil, then we can say there's an improvement from last season. Yeah, I mean, they're being allowed to dream, I guess. I guess they, they, they want to start looking higher up. Like, I can't remember what points tally they finished on last season, but it feels like they're already halfway to to you know confirming that they're not going to be in a, a so any sort of relegation battle that's for sure definitely so um for everton two defeats in a row now for um brian Sorensen's side it's again early doors against two teams as well that you'd probably if you're everton thinking we've kind of got to be beating them yeah i guess it's a difficult one for them like, I don't think they were bad in this from what I saw. They added a decent amount of chances. Like, would the game have gone differently if one of them just goes in? Do they score the penalty? It becomes a different game. Uh, They've got to find a way to pick up a point at some point, otherwise they will be looking a lot lower and they will be in trouble. I think for them as well, the forward line, you had Martina Piemonte and Emma Bissell leading the line, both for new signings. Uh, at the club this past summer and then they also uh, had Tony Duggan come off later on uh, come onto the pitch later on in the game so I think missing Katrice Nourish uh, while she didn't score many goals last season for Everton um, I think missing her her hold up play and build up play uh, is a bit of a concern for Everton she is back in training I do know that much after sustaining a hand injury on the international break just before the season uh, started so I don't know whether she'll be fit for their Conti Cup action because that's starting tomorrow I believe Conti Cup yeah that starts this week as well like for Everton it's concerning that they haven't yet scored a goal but especially when you sign strikers they did uh, did, they scored, did, they score, um, did they score against Bri- Brighton Megan I completely Finnegan forgot scored. whether they scored last week I completely forgot they had scored last week against <laughs> Brighton my apologies don't come for me Everton fans I'm sorry alright <laughs> Well, yeah, um, definitely. Well, the point's gone they, now, like. <laughs> they still need to kick on and find, get that first positive result under their system. Otherwise, it could be uh, a long season for them. Yeah, and I guess we've got to talk about the other team that uh, have started perfectly, and that's Liverpool. They beat my Aston Villa by two goals to nil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Liverpool look pretty decent. I, I, you could say I was right on that one as well, but you predicted them in ninth. Yeah, I mean, so far, uh, looking really well. Marie Hobbinger has settled in really well, getting a goal uh, this week. And then uh, Natasha Flint, again, another summer signing, getting the second goal in this game for uh, Matt Beard's side. I am really, really impressed with how they are looking so far. Yeah, they've looked decent. The sale works best for them. It causes the opposition a lot of problems as well, both in an attacking sense and defensively as well when they just counter them. Okay. Like, 
they they've got a good chance of finishing hard this season if they keep this up. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think uh, Jenna Clark as well. I think she was absolutely uh, outstanding for Liverpool. Uh, looked really, really well. Um, and I'm excited to see what this team can do for the rest of the season going forward. On Aston Villa, two games in a row now that uh, Carla Ward has made a half-time substitution, bringing on Ebony Salmon. This week it was for uh, Alicia Lehman, who went off at half-time. Is it time for her to start both Daly and Salmon I, together? I, there's an odd thing with with Villa at the moment, because I think with Darley being injured, there's a question of how do we settle? Almost. Like, yeah. We went back to what I think was the formation of last season, the 4-3-3, and yet still it didn't seem to work. So it's not clicking at the moment. I, I don't want to yeah, say, I mean, oh, we're missing Kenza Darley and that's it. Well, we, we're not clicking. And because we've still got... obviously suspended. Yeah, you lose two key players like that. That can be a factor, but I'd, I'd like to think it isn't because I still think the team defensively should be good enough but maybe we need to make more defensive improvements if we are to, yeah, to really um, progress but so it hasn't worked yet this season yeah. and I look at I, the, think... I look at the next fixtures as well I'm, I'm, I'm scared <laughs> yeah I think and the thing for Villa is um, they need to get Maz Pacheco back to full fitness and her starting because I think she's such a big, big player on the left-hand side defensively. Whilst Antonio's done an okay job in the first uh, game and a bit uh, against Liverpool this past weekend, I think Maz Pacheco just takes that Villa defence up to another level. And then I do think in terms of the attacking, like um, this past weekend, it was Lehman and Adriana Leon who played out wide and then Rachel Daly up front. I just it it didn't seem to get going at all for Aston Villa. I worry in this game and I worry slightly if there becomes an over reliance on Rachel Daly. Yeah, I think I want to see this weekend. Um, if it's against Arsenal. You're playing this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like if there's a team we could really try and bounce back against, Arsenal aren't in best of positions right now they're still trying to figure things out as well so mm. do we try and take it to them in a, in a game at the emirates as well you should be like really up for it yeah for me i would like to see uh would ebony salmon start and how could we do with both daily and salmon up top maybe drop jordan knobs a bit further back and then... what could you do something like a four three one two so you you don't have as much of a wide option to start with. And maybe you play Laura, then Kilda, Brown, instead of the wide player. So you've got the usual free midfield that I think we had against Liverpool. Ben Kilda, Brown in front of them, and then the two strikers. Potentially, that could be an like, option. I'm not the manager, and Carla Ward will I absolutely trust her to do what she wants to do with this team how she sees it best just so it hasn't worked yet and it's figuring out I guess yes definitely something needs to click uh, just two more games to go through in the WSL this past weekend West Ham United managed to pick up their first win of the season beating Brighton and Hove Albion by two goals nil goals from Kirsty Smith and Rico Uweke uh, give the Hammers their first three points of the season and um, 
good performance from West Ham, actually. Really yeah, impressed with how they performed. Yeah, they were very good. And Rico Ueki, I called it. Called it. I said she was going to be a good player for them. Yeah, looks really promising so far. And uh, we'll be interested to see how she can uh, continue to progress as the season goes on. Uh, Brighton will be a little disappointed uh, after winning last week against Everton to come to this performance. I don't think they were quite... Uh, as good as they were last week so still a bit of learning curve for uh, Melissa Phillips's side but uh, I still think we'll see improvements as the season goes on for uh, the Seagulls Yeah I'd, I'd agree and the other one Tottenham beating Bristol City 3-1 Tottenham are impressive you know I know it was Bristol City and it, it, like there's, a, there's clearly a, a challenging element for them to try and compete with everyone else at the moment, they're still finding their way. But Tottenham looked good. Yeah, they really did. Uh, three goals just before the half-time break. Uh, Evelina Summerman, Olga Artinen and Martha Thomas getting the goals. It seems once uh, Olga Artinen got that first goal, it just seemed to open up a lot more for Spurs and it just made it easy for them. Yeah, like you got Martha Thomas firing like this. Who needs Beth England? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, is that two and two now for yeah, Martha Thomas? She's in my fantasy she's... team from the start. I, I, I trusted her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, good uh, start for Spurs. Get their first win of the season. Sees them jump up to sixth place. Although they, uh, I feel like we can't City. ignore the one effort. And this was, again, also Arsenal Loney, goalkeeper. See, it happens with these goalies in all teams. Kayla. Marquez, he made a bit of an error for the third one. Yeah, I think she definitely won't want to look back at that one because it wasn't uh, as good as she probably could have done in that situation. Yeah, uh, that is all the games. WSL-wise, Leicester and Liverpool lead the way at the top with their perfect starts. Yes, uh, and then we've got uh, Man City, United in fourth, Chelsea in fifth, Spurs... West Ham, Brighton, Arsenal, uh, and then Everton, Villa, and Bristol City yet to pick up a point so far this season. So um, just a quick look ahead to this weekend's games. Uh, on Saturday evening, we've got Chelsea versus West Ham United from half past five. Uh, Kings Meadow, that is at. And then on Sunday, Manchester United versus Leicester City kick things off. And then we've got Man City, Bristol City, Arsenal, Aston Villa, Brighton, Tottenham. And then it's the Merseyside derby to wrap things up uh, this weekend at Anfield. Yeah, there's a couple of games there that I'm quite intrigued by. United against Leicester. I, I'm quite intrigued by that one, given Leicester's start and United as well. When they come back from playing midweek, we're going to see how they fare now with... with in terms of rotation and and being able to manage their squad. Yeah, I think what's a good thing, though, for United is, in that sense, uh, they've got a good few days before they play again because, obviously, they're playing tonight for us as we're speaking uh, on this recording, and then they don't play until Sunday afternoon. So they've still got enough time to bounce back and get fully fit. And uh, we obviously don't know how they're going to go in that one. Uh, tonight, but looking ahead to uh, that, we've got obviously 
This is the second round of Champions League fixtures. Uh, the first legs are tonight and tomorrow, and then the second legs are next Wednesday uh, for a place in the group stages of this season's Champions League. So for Man United, they play Paris Saint-Germain at 8 o'clock. Uh, some other games, Wolfsburg, uh, they travel to Paris to take on Paris FC. Uh, that's a little bit earlier on in the evening. We've also got Real Madrid versus Vail Renger tomorrow. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, they're playing against Sparta Prague today. And AS Rem, who got through to the quarterfinals uh, for the first time ever last season, they take on Volskler Poltava uh, tomorrow afternoon uh, at 1.30 UK time. So some interesting ties to look ahead to in uh, terms of potentially seeing teams in the group yeah, stages. And there's also been a lot of discussion around the whole format in general because as you said there's a lot of teams there that were involved in the group stages last season and Jackie Gronan has uh-huh. been very vocal about this she was asked about it in the press conference yesterday and then there was an interview for the, the BBC where she's spoken about it like me coming into women's football not long ago and then seeing this format I did find it weird yeah um it's one I think definitely needs to be looked at in the future because obviously we're on the I think third season now of uh, this current format of like going through uh, two playoff rounds and then going to the group stages where before it used to be just like a straight knockout tournament uh, style football so I think in a couple of years time uh, maybe 2027 onwards we'll probably see a change in the format in terms of there I say like what if Wolfsburg go out to Paris FC this right. time around then you just know the conversations are going to start happening yeah I mean Wolfs- uh, Paris FC had a perfect start to their season over in France mm-hmm. top of the Obviously, league Paris FC if they beat them they'd have deserved it but it's like it's yeah. Wolfsburg that have gone out that's a team that were the finalists and then they'd knock out the semi-finalists in the previous round in Arsenal yeah like right. you just know people are would be having that conversation mm-hmm. Is it something that they need to have more teams uh, automatically qualifying? Is it, um, what you call it, the playoffs need to be changed in that sense? It's one, I think um, a lot of questions will potentially be asked and are probably getting asked at UEFA in terms of how they can improve um, the Women's Champions League compared to uh, previous seasons. But I do think that's um, something that won't happen for a couple of seasons yet. Like I say, I, I wouldn't. If there were to be changes, I wouldn't expect them to be before the twenty seven, twenty eight season. Personally speaking, yeah. And there's a type of discussions. We don't know if any new format would be. Uh, we'll just increase the amount of teams. Like we'll scrap whatever playoff round. Well, the playoff rounds are earlier, and then we just do like what the current men's format is of eight groups of four if you wanted to do that or because it would have been a few years after they've done it if you say for example 2027 do they then bring in this new league format like they are doing with the men's teams next season they do that in the women's game personally i don't see that happening just yet i think we'd see an expanded group stage so have more teams in it and be more like what the men's current 
Champions League format is. I would hope so because I my my like like the way this new format looks, I'm I don't I'm not feeling it. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely. I think that especially the women's game is a long, long way away if it would ever come in at all. But I think we'd more likely go to uh, an expanded group stage format and uh, make it easy and have more teams automatically qualified than uh, just the four uh, is at the minute, which I still think is very strange, only having four teams automatically qualify. Yeah, it is a bit uh, But to the game tonight itself, we could talk a little bit for United PSG. For United, this probably is one of the tougher opposition they could have got from the draw. Yeah. PSG are a very good team. They're definitely on the rise a little bit, especially these last few years. Is there anything to go by? Did they they did beat Leon to the title like a season or two ago, I wanna say. Yeah, not too long ago. Um obviously two former Manchester United players are in PSG's matchday squad in uh, as you mentioned Jackie Kroonen and uh, Isatu Tunkara as well so both have recently left Manchester United so there's that of welcoming them back and how would they get on tonight and I do think this is Manchester United's biggest match uh, to date um, obviously if they can manage to get a result in both legs and get through to the uh, group stages it would be absolutely uh, massive for them and showing that the club are on the rise and yeah I think it's, it's always going to be a hard ask for the teams that they could potentially face because they also had the possibility of uh, facing Real Madrid they could have also faced VFL Wolfsburg so the options for them weren't really going to be an easy tie in terms of uh, being able to get through to the uh, group stages with ease no, I I agree on on that one. With the game though, what can we expect with United? Do they change it up like quite a bit from Friday? Like it's been enough of a time frame where you could say hmm, it wouldn't be surprising if they stuck with it because they haven't changed their eleven yet in from the two games that we've seen of them. Personally, though, I would expect a change or two. Maybe we see Mallard from the start. Does Miyazawa get more? minutes this time I mean if anything of last season was to go by Mark Skinner doesn't tend to make many changes to his starting 11 throughout the season but he didn't have Champions League um, football to deal with last season and he yeah, has been I'm very vocal about of, rotation yeah I'm just thinking what could we see as the rotation maybe Lad dropping out and maybe uh, would, you, would you drop JC or I wouldn't, would you drop I wouldn't be else? dropping JC I think if someone's going to get dropped it's probably going to be Lucia Garcia out of those options for me personally yeah I mean it would make sense in that uh, frame and I think that would be it's still a great option to come off the bench if like 20-30 20, 20, minutes left you've, you've got a result or you're looking to get back into the game. You can use her electric pace down the uh, wing, and we know she's got a goal in her. So yeah, that could be an option. But personally speaking, I would ex- expect uh, a similar lineup from Friday night to tonight. Yeah, but I, I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised. But I feel like if they're trying to manage the squad, they'll make like three or four 
changes in there maybe. But that's that's one we can only await for with tonight. We we're doing live tweets, hopefully, for that one. If if we can find mm-hmm. the coverage, because it did it, it's yes. definitely sparse at, at this point of the tournament for some reason we don't understand that one personally. But if you want another full preview of this, which is a bit more in detail, where can they find that preview? Yep, head over to our uh, YouTube channel, Women's Football Talk. Uh, I've done an in-depth preview looking into this game a bit more and uh, speaking of the other Champions League games that are taking place over the next uh, day and a bit. Um Yep, so that's Women's Football Talk on YouTube. Uh, there's also Conti Cup action that starts uh, this week. All the games taking place uh, tomorrow at half past seven or seven o'clock-ish. Um, Leicester-Liverpool is an all-WSL tie. Everton versus Manchester City. And that is it for all uh, WSL sides. I, um, Aston Villa don't have a midweek game, actually, so... Good bit of luck for you in that sense. They can't ruin my week again. Yeah, but hey, that is that is all we have. We've covered as much as <laughs> there was a lot to cover. And my God, it's warm. It's October. Why is it so warm? Global warming. No, it's not real. Exactly. <laughs> um, right, we'll be back next week to uh, look back at all the weekends action in the WSL and obviously have a look back at the first leg of the Champions League and have a look ahead to the second legs. Uh, any other talking points, we will make sure to bring up and talk on uh, the podcast. And if there's any big news, make sure you're uh, following our YouTube channel, Women's Football Talk, because we'll likely have a video out there regarding any big stories uh, from the world of women's football. In the meantime, uh, make sure you give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts from and that you're following us on Twitter and Instagram for all the latest news and stories from around the world of women's football. And until next week, we'll see you soon.